Jesus. There is none of us that's here because how good we are. We are here by the grace of God. And I am so thankful for his amazing, amazing grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I know we've greeted you and I know we've all greeted each other. But I do want you to know from my heart that I'm happy that we are all here in the presence of the Lord. And uh, I am going to be ministering for the next few moments. And uh, then we're going to go eat some good food. Mm. I was talking to the guys that are doing the meat. They were 14 hours just taking that meat apart. I'm about to forego my message right now, I can tell you that. I'm just feeling this thing. Ooh. See, the marriage supper, I can't wait for that. That's going to be awesome. I don't know what God's got prepared, but it's going to be good. But we're going to have a good meal here, and we're going to enjoy that. But right now, we're going to feast on the Word of God, and I've, I pray that we're open to receive it and uh, allow the Holy Ghost to speak to each and every one of us. And I see so many friends here, people I haven't seen, some in a long time, some it's uh, just been a short time, uh, but I'm so happy to have you here. But I want us to pray that the Word of God will speak to us, and then we're going to be seated. Let's pray that. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, open each and every one of our hearts to receive your Word. God, open my heart. God, open all those that are here. God, let your word come alive to us today. God, let us see things we've never seen before, understand things we've never understood. Let the Holy Ghost flow and work in this place. God, touch every life. I pray that the Spirit of God go beyond the words that I can say. Let your Spirit deal with every heart and let us live a life that is pleasing to you above all else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord as you're seated in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I, um, I believe that I am talking to people here today that God has great things in store for you. I believe with everything inside of me that uh, what God wants you to do and the things that God has prepared for you, uh, you can't even imagine. It goes beyond anything that you could even imagine. And uh, I have preached a lot of friend days and a lot of different sermons, and we've talked a lot about friends and the importance of, of being the neighbor and being there for each other and encouraging each other. I've preached messages about uh, the power of words and to speak excellent things. A purposeful letter for a friend. I, I, I remember so many different messages, and, uh, and I, I know the dynamics that's here, uh, but I believe what the Lord has laid on my heart today is I want to help somebody, and I want to stir you because I know that God has great things for you. I am not looking at people that uh, when Jesus comes are just going to be uh, kind of sitting on the fence, but I believe that I am looking at people that when Jesus comes, you're going to have a lot of people going with you to heaven. Your family's going to be with you on your way to heaven, and your friends are going to be with you on your way to heaven. I believe that. I don't know what your condition right now is with God, but I believe God has great things for you. And so I, I have a question for you, and it's simply this. What are you doing in the cave? What are you doing in the cave? 
God has things that he has lined up for you. And my question, and you understand it as I move forward, what are you doing in the cave? Now, let me just go ahead and preface this that uh, I'm going to get some things off my chest. I really appreciate y'all being here. It helps me out. Uh, they say it's good to talk about things that bother you. I don't like caves. I just don't like them. When I learned to uh, scuba dive, uh, they were taking us down and they had these boats, you know, you can go inside of them. I didn't go inside no boat. I ain't going in no cave. I'll look in there. That's really cute, but I ain't going inside. That's just all there is to it. I was sitting in Barnes and Noble. This is this was uh, Friday, and I'm studying and I, I'm thinking about this and and uh, I'm reading some different material. And I was reading about a a man that discovered caves and he was going in trying to find out how deep this cave was and he was known for doing this and he came to a point. Now, you got to understand, I'm sitting there in Barnes & Noble, and there's a guy sitting across from me that he, you know how when people walk by, you kind of glance up to see what's going on? That's not this guy. This guy looks up, and he just watches everybody. <laughs> and I'm trying to read, but I keep looking up like, dude, what is this guy's problem? Security guard? What is this? What's he doing? And uh, so I know he's watching me is my point. So I, he's watching everything. Well, I'm reading this, and he's talking about this guy, and he's going in, and it reaches a point in the cave that he is on his belly, and it's so low, he's got one hand in front of him, one behind, and he's scooting his way through this opening. <laughs> and it said, and it, this word, when I read this, it said, and he got, his foot got wedged in, and he was in a stone straitjacket. I literally shivered. I mean, I'm in Barnes & Noble. I mean, there's nothing coming down on me at all. And I was just like, oh. And I look up, and the guy's just standing there. I just got up and left. I didn't even want to talk about it. I just, I didn't want to discuss what just happened to me. I don't like caves. I don't like anything about them. When we, my wife and I, um, when we were, uh, uh, we, I was preaching in upstate New York uh, a few years ago, we went to uh, Niagara Falls. And so we go down and, and uh, there's a tour that takes you under the caverns of Niagara Falls. I don't even know how I got there, but nevertheless, I'm there and it's supposed to be awesome. And I'm standing there and they've got on the walls, they've got posted these pictures of how Niagara Falls used to be. And they have them dated. It was, and it was like flat. And then it, at such and such date, now it's like this. And in such and such date, it fell again, and now it's this. And now it's this big horseshoe. And I'm standing there looking at all these pictures thinking, what if today is the day it decides to get a little bigger? <laughs> what in the world am I doing here in this cave? And uh, I, I remember when I was a, a, a young man, uh, we was traveling, and I went to, uh, I was in Germany, we were doing missions work there, and uh, we went to the salt mines, and you, you, it's really cool, you get on these, um, these big logs that they have smoothed out, and they slide down, and you go down in this, this cave, and then someone thinks it's a cute idea, somewhere in the midst of this tour, to turn the lights out. I don't know who came up with that idea, but it's a bad idea. I don't like being in a cave, being dark. And there's something about a cave. When you talk about a cave, you look at a cave, you're, 
you're, you're talking about getting away from things. You're talking about trying to hide uh, from things. A cave, by definition, is a hollowed out in the earth, especially one opening uh, that is horizontal in a hill or a mountain. It is a dark, dank, and dreary place. And a cave is a metaphor for uh, trying to get away from life. And, and we talk about it. I, I know that we, we make statements about a, 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 a man cave. And, and, and I, when I hear that, every time it cracks me up because all we did is turn two words and just switch them around because and I'm not a caveman. I just have a man cave. That's all it is here. But what it is is a place to get away. It's a place to get, get back. It's a metaphor for just getting away from everything. But sometimes we move it to a, a point and a problem to just try to deal with, with stress. We're stressed out. We just can't take it any longer. Life has gotten too uh, busy. We're, sometimes we're depressed or we're overwhelmed. Maybe we're dealing with fear and, and anxiety is taking over our lives. And so because of this, we find ourselves backing up into the proverbial cave and and now we are back there we don't know what what's going on out there we just don't want to deal with it anymore i'm here to tell somebody it's time to get out of your cave today i'm here to preach to somebody that has tried to back up from life uh, but life just keeps going on and today you need to come out of your cave i want you also to understand this i am not talking to people that are not successful I am talking to people that a lot of people look at your successes and they wow at it, but yet you still retreat into a cave. I'm also talking to people that you seem to have lived your life in a cave. Trying to stay away from everybody and everything. You just don't want to deal with this thing called life. Here we find ourselves and we find a man that asks the question, that I ask you to begin. What are you doing in a cave? The man's name was Elijah. Now, Elijah was a powerful, powerful man. The first thing that we see of Elijah is he steps in the throne room or wherever the king was. He steps up and looks at the king. This is the first mention we have of him. He steps up and looks the king in the eye and says, it's not going to rain again in Israel until I say otherwise, and walks out. That's quite a statement. And you know what? It didn't rain. For years, it did not rain. And this powerful, powerful man leaves and goes out to a place. No one else has anything. He goes out to a place that God tells him to go, and there... In the morning and in the evening, birds brought him fish and bread. I mean, I'm thinking successful, personally. That's pretty awesome. Look at the king. It's not going to rain till I say otherwise. You walk out, birds are bringing you food. That's pretty awesome. He finally leaves that place and he goes to a lady that is a, a, a widow and her and her son uh, has just enough to make one more meal and they, they know there's a famine in the land. There's no water. There's a drought. There's no crops. They're going to die. And he shows up and says, I want you to make me a cake. I need a cake. And she says, man of God, I, I would love to do that for you, but I've got enough just to make one last meal for me and my son and then we're going to die. And the man of God had been told by 
God what was going to happen. And so he said, why don't you go ahead and make me a cake first and you're going to be okay. And so she went ahead and she made that cake for the man of God. And the rest of the drought, every time she went to the bottle of oil, it never ran out. Every time she went to the, the pan with meal in it, it never ran out. I'm talking about a powerful, powerful man. He leaves this, and you can find one account after another, just miracle, 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 fire falling from heaven on, on consuming people that come to try to get, I mean, just unbelievable things that happen. But then you actually find a time where uh, the, the, uh, they're trying to decide who is the true God. Is it the Jehovah God of the, uh, uh, of the Israelites, or is it Baal? Who is, the, who is the most powerful God? Well, they get, Elijah uh, gets out there and says, listen, let's do it this way. The God that answers by fire, let him be God. So Baal, they get some 400 of their priests out there and they're dancing around and they're trying to get fire to fall from heaven and nothing happens. And they, they're cutting themselves. They're doing everything they can to try to get their God to do something. And nothing, nothing is happening. And so Elijah just steps up and says, my turn. He says, let's build an altar. They build it. He then uh, d digs a trench around the altar and puts water all over the sacrifice, all over the altar and in the trench. Just to show you, my God's bad to the bone. He then steps up and prays a simple prayer. And when he's done praying this prayer, a ball of fire comes out of heaven and consumes the altar, licks up the water. And he's standing there saying, now who's God's God, huh? Now, now what's up? He leaves this situation. I'm wanting you to understand. I'm not talking about a loser here. He leaves this situation and goes and prays now for rain. Now, it's been years. It has not rained ever since he said, it's not going to rain till I say so. So he goes and prays, and he prays, and he prays. And as he's praying, he has a servant going out, looking. He said, do you see anything? No, nothing. Go again, go again, go again. He kept going, and finally the servant comes back and says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And as soon as he said that, Elijah says, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And the rain, after years of not falling, began to fall. So, to recap. This is a bad dude. He is a powerful man. He's got water. When he says, don't rain, it don't rain. When he says, it's time to rain, it's going to rain. Oh, one thing, by the way, I skipped over. Uh, that widow, at one point, her son dies, and he goes and prays for her and raises him from the dead. Don't know how I missed that one. This man is a powerful man. But after he just had fire fell from heaven, after he just now had the rain finally start after he prayed for it, now he gets word that Jezebel's mad at him and says, I'm going to kill you. When he hears this, hear me, fear grips this man's heart. This is a, this is a powerful man. This is a man that has done great things for God. But now fear, anxiety, stress, overwhelmed, don't know what to do, don't know how to handle it. We find him going out and he asks God to kill him. 
He just had fire fall, the rain fall, he raised the dead, he had birds brought him food, all these things, but now he's saying, kill me. And God finds him in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 9. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What dost thou hear? What are you doing in a cave? Why are you here right now? What's going on in your life that was caused you to be here? And God is calling him out. And in verse 10, he begins to tell God a few things. He says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. I've been on your side. I don't even want to talk about it. I have been jealous for you. And look at me. And then he goes on to say, for the children of Israel, all the other people supposed to be serving you, they have forsaken your covenant. They have thrown down your altars, God. They have slain your prophets, God, with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And now they're after me. This is a man that at one point you could possibly say he had life by the tail. He was moving everything forward. There were good things that were happening in his life. But all of a sudden, it just starts pressing down. I'm talking to people that know exactly what I'm saying right now. Life comes and and it just keeps on pressing you down. You don't know how you're going to get out of it. You don't know what the next step is going to be. It's not that you've never done anything good. It's not that you've never had any successes. But you have now retreated into a cave. And you find yourself hunkered down. And God is saying, what are you doing here? But God is calling you out. Verse 11, he said, go forth and stand upon the mountain. The things that you're going to, I need to talk to you about and the things you're going to do, you can't do in a cave. I need you to come out. He said, come on out uh, on the mountain. And the Lord began to pass and there was a strong wind and it rent the mountains and, and, uh, and, and it broke the rocks into pieces and there was earthquakes. And, and in verse 12, after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then there was a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face with a mantle and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. He says, you got to get out of this cave. There's things I've got to say to you and you're not going to hear it while you're hunkered down and you won't. And everybody's saying, well, while I'm in here, hopefully everything's going to work out out there. Everything's going to get taken care of and our finances and our marriage and our children and our parents and our job, everything, we just keep going. It's going to work out. And God says, you got to come on out here so I can talk to you a little while so I can help you understand it's not over yet. You're not finished yet. I still have a work for you to do. So, he asked the question again. What dost thou hear, Elijah? 
He's asking the same question. What are you doing here? Now, this is awesome. Because Elijah says this. Let me first read it. He says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with a soul, sword, and I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away also. That sound familiar? Look at verse 10. Same thing. I have been very jealous for the Lord of hosts. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and thrown down your altars and slain your prophets and, uh, with a sword, and I, even I, am left, uh, and they seek my life also. The exact same thing. Have you ever met someone that is so steeped in their problems they have memorized their problems? Are you somebody... Your, your issues, you have got a rundown on issues. Anyone can ask you. You don't have to think about it. You can just tell all the problems in your life and what's going on and why all these things are happening. We have memorized the issues in our life. And here it is. I can tell who, who else wants to know my problems. I'll tell anybody my problems. He had memorized these things. He had made them so internal. He had made the issues internal. He did not step out and say, I just prayed and you sent down fire. I prayed and you you stopped the rain. I prayed and you sent the rain. None of that. Just memorizing the issues. I've got this issue and that issue and you don't understand pastor. You don't understand preacher. Preacher you're up there preaching. You don't know. Hey I'm comfortable here in my cave. Now I'm going to come back to this story in a moment. But the caves that we find ourselves in in our lives and I'm just going to deal with a couple of things, okay? Because I want to help somebody. Cave sometimes can be a, a drink. Your cave sometimes can be a pill or a needle. Your cave could be the internet that you just go in and you wipe everyone out or a television or it can be something. But you don't want to deal with things. It's what you go to and this is what you just zap your life with because I don't want to deal with the issues. I don't want to handle any of this stuff. I'm looking across here and I know I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. There are so many people that you are allowing things to absolutely dictate your life. And I'm here to say, what are you doing in a cave? Some allow an affair to be the cave that they run to. Some allow work. Uh, they just overwhelm themselves with work and won't stop doing uh, anything. Uh, some are just so mostly detached. They can be in a crowd uh, but still feel all alone. Uh, what's going on? Uh, you have retreated into a cave. Uh, you have brought yourself into a place uh, that you think no one can touch you. Uh, and this is going to be my safe place. Uh, but you don't understand the progression of a cave dweller. The progression of a cave dweller. We find in the Word of God in Joshua chapter 10, verse 16, these five kings that are fleeing, the Bible says, and the five kings fled and hid themselves in a cave. What was this? It was a hiding place. See, that's the first thing that the cave that you're dealing with is in your life. It is your hiding place. 
It's where you go because you're just trying to get some relief. I'm just trying to get away from things. I'm just trying to, to back up. But the problem is, is once you get there and it becomes a hiding place, uh, there, there's another progression to the story. As you read through it in verse 17 now, and it was told Joshua saying, the five kings have hid themselves uh, in the cave here. This is where they are. They're hiding here. So now they're hiding. But he says, and Joshua said in verse 18, roll a great stone upon the mouth of the cave and set men to keep it because this is the way it works with cave dwellers. First, it is your hiding place, but if you stay there too long, it becomes your prison. First, it's just a place to get away. First, I just got to pop this pill. First, I just got to get on the internet for a while to get away. But at first, it's a hiding place. It's just something I run to to get away. But if I stay there too long, it becomes the prison that holds me captive. But it doesn't stop there. Joshua chapter, same chapter 10, verse 22. Now Joshua opened the mouth of the caves and brought the five kings. Uh, he said, bring them unto me. Verse 26, and after he had smote them, he killed them. He slew them and he hung them on five trees there in front of everybody all the way until the evening. And it came to pass at the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded that they take them down off the tree and cast them into the cave wherein they have been hiding. Because the progression of a cave dweller is this. First it's your hiding place, then it becomes your prison, then it becomes your grave. Well, I'm just, I'm just trying to get away. I don't want to deal with life. I don't want to mess with any of this stuff. It's too much. It's weighing down on me. And so we retreat. And we don't want to deal with things. That's why we end up in caves. It's a, it's a place where we think we're going to be safe. All kinds of things happen to you in caves. You know if you're in a dark cave for very long, you will lose your eyesight. All of a sudden, you lose it all. What happens is you lose your vision. The longer you're in a cave, you have no more ambition. You have no more direction in your life. What are you doing? It's just a hiding place. I just don't want to deal with issues. And now it's a hiding place. Then it's a prison. Now it's a grave. Somebody today, you need to realize you've got to get out of the cave. You've got to step out. Kick the door down. Don't stay there any longer. It's time for you to get out. Everyone, though, hear me. Everyone. At some point in your life, you're going to find yourself in a cave. Everybody at some point in your life, life happens, things hit you. You all of a sudden, I shouldn't be here, but you're just running. You don't know what to do. David found himself in caves, living in caves. The problem is, is when you're in a cave, you make bad decisions. You read the story of, of horrible things that happened in the Word of God when people were hiding in caves. David made a decision and said, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. Things are bad. I, I'm going to die by the hand of the king. And so instead of, uh, of being uh, uh, aggressive and doing the right thing, uh, you find him acting like he is mad. And you see the darkest days of David's life. Uh, he's slobbering on himself, uh, trying to make people think that he's crazy so they won't kill him. Do you know that he 
he had a promise from God that he was going to be king of Israel. I don't care who was coming against him. If God made you a promise, it's going to happen. And if God has given you some things, you need to hold on to it and say, I'm not going to live in the cave any longer. I may visit, but I'm not going to stay there. I may run through there, but I refuse to stay in a cave. They say the most important thing, because you will find yourself in the cave. I found myself in the cave. I've dealt with things and had life hit me and found myself hiding. Find myself just no direction, no nothing, just trying to get through this. But they say the most important thing for those of you that are crazy enough to go into a cave I agree with this they say the most important thing the number one thing if you're going to go into a cave is you need to be prepared to get out you're going to end up in a cave some point in your life Life's going to hit you and you're going to slip into something and say, hey, I just, I just got to get through this moment. I just got to get through this time. Life is going to come at you just like that. But they say there's three things that you need. First of all, don't do it alone. Secondly, make sure you have light. Thirdly, make sure you have air that's moving. If you're going to get out of a cave, the best thing you could do is make sure you don't go in alone. I read many accounts of cave uh, explorers that lost their life because they went alone. If someone had been with them, they could have survived. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 4 and 9, two are better than one because they, uh, because they have a good report with their, of their labor. They're able to get more done. Verse number 10, it says, For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for there is not another to help him up. You don't need to get back where there's no one that can talk to you, no one that can speak into your life. I know I normally preach a little bit lighter message on a friend day, but I feel like I want to help somebody today. You're here with a friend. Let that friend help you get out of the cave. Let that friend help you make a decision. I'm not going to stay here any longer. I'm tired of hiding because I feel like it's becoming a prison and I don't want it to become my grave. Say, have light. Go in prepared. Know that you're, one day, someday, you're going to go into a cave. It's going to happen. Hear me. Hear me. It's going to happen. I hear people, when I say things like that, say, be more positive. I am positive. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Life has that way. It's going to happen. But if you go in, be prepared. No, I've got someone near me. I've got someone to help me out. Also, I've got light. The Bible says the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You need to get the word in you now because later you're going to be in a cave and you're there and you're going to be in temptation. You need to be able to say it is written and begin to speak the word of God. It sheds light and it gets you out. Thirdly, you need air that moves. Air that moves means that there's still hope and there's a way out. 
they say they actually will get low if they're trying to find their way out of a cave. Once they find air, they can get down low and find the breeze, and they can chase the breeze right out of the cave. There's a way to get out of this thing, and I believe the most powerful thing you can do to get out of it is to let the Spirit of God begin to blow in your life. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 2, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Hey, hear me. One of these days you're going to find yourself in a cave. The best thing you can do is to get in the Spirit and begin to pray and say, Jesus, help me. I don't know how to get out of here. And you find yourself on your knees praying and a breeze comes across your face and you begin to find your way out of the cave. You don't have to stay there today. You can get out of that place. You can get out of those things that are holding you down. You don't need a stone straight jacket. You need Jesus Christ. Hear me. Jesus is here today. He is not here as just an onlooker. He is not here just watching us and our problems. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Yet without sin. He was tempted at every point that you were. You say, well, he don't know what I'm going through. He knows what you're going through. He has seen the issues in this world. He has dealt with them. He's had people reject him, lie on him. Uh, people that left him, those that were supposed to be supposed to be the closest to him, reject him. He knows what it is to be hurt. But yet he decided, I'm not going to stay in the cave. By definition, Jesus found himself in a cave. They took him out. They took a cat of nine tails in the hands of a rough soldier. Came across his back. The bones and the metal that had been woven into the threads dug in and they pulled. And his flesh begins to be pulled from his back. Time and time again, 39 stripes. He then is forced to carry his cross to Golgotha, doing everything he can to get there. He is stretched out and nailed to a cross, hoisted to the top, stripped of all dignity. He did it. For me and for you. But the very people that he healed, the very people that he spoke parables to and lifted and encouraged and strengthened, they are now out there and they are cheering and yelling, crucify him. He looks down from a tree and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't understand what they're doing right now. He is then taken after he is dead. And they put him 
in a borrowed tomb, which is by definition a cave. Now, I've got to say, God manifest in the flesh. He could have said, I'm just staying here. I tried to help these people, and they don't want my help. I've tried to do everything I can to get them a a better life. I've tried to teach them and show them, but look at what they did. Look at what's happening in in here. And if I come out of here, I'm going to see Jason Barnum, pastor of Souls Harbor, one day. And he's going to do something that's displeasing to me. He might even reject me. It'd be easier just to stay in the cave. I won't have to deal with rejection anymore. I won't have to tell people my story and then have them just walk away. I think I'll just stay in the cave. That would be easier for me. But on the third day, Jesus said, you know what? I know when I go to Bellevue, there's going to be a bunch of people that don't deserve my grace, but I'm going to give it to them anyhow. There's a bunch of people that they've done things that I'm not pleased with, but I'm going to raise out of this cave anyhow. I'm just not going to stay in this cave any longer. There becomes a point that you look out what's going on out there, and you've got to say, as Jesus did, for the joy that is set before me, I'm going to endure some things right here. And you've got to say, listen, I don't want to deal with these. Some of these things are pressing on me, and I'm tired of it. But what God told me to tell you today, day and ask you today is what are you doing in the cave? Don't stay there. Don't let it become your hiding place, your prison, or your grave. Get out as quick as you possibly can. Get out of that cave. Don't let the devil trick you into staying another day. Stand with me. (laughs) But you don't understand. It's already become my grave. It's over for me. And Jesus steps on the scene. And it's Lazarus. He's dead four days in a cave. First thing God wants to know, Jesus steps up. And says, where have you laid him? The hiding place has got to stop. I need to know where it's at. First thing you got to do is you got to stop thinking I'm going to hide. But he he steps all the way through it. Where is he at? Verse 38. They took him there. And Jesus, therefore, began groaning within himself. As he came to the grave, it was a cave. And a stone was laid upon it. It was a grave that was a cave. In verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. First, where is he at? No more hiding. Secondly, I know it was a place he couldn't get out with a stone. It's a prison. Get rid of the stone. Next, even though it was a grave, he looks in verse 34 And he spoke and cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
And he that was dead came forth. You may think you have already reached. I've already went past my hiding place, to my prison, to my grave. But Jesus walked right through it all and said, I can still get you out of that place. I'm here to tell someone today, it's time for you to get out of the cave. I know that you're here and there are things that are troubling you. Hear me. Hear me today, right now. Focus right here. I know that pressure of life, things in life, just keep pushing you down. And it's not that you've never done anything good for God. I don't know where you are. Maybe you've done great things like Elijah. But here's the deal. Elijah, if I can get you out of the cave, when you go back and you read it, he says, listen, there are two kings I need you to anoint. They're going to help take care of this thing. And there's a man by the name of Elisha that's going to carry on. But see, I can't use you, Elijah, if you stay in the cave. I still have a work for you to do. You think, not me. I've done, you don't know how far I've gone. I have a work for you to do. The problem is, is you're hiding from it. And you're allowing it to put you in a prison. And it's becoming your grave. But Elijah, just come out. Let me talk to you for a little while. You're going to walk by Elisha and just your coat is going to brush him. And he's going to say, I've never been touched with that kind of anointing. He's going to take all of his oxen. He's going to slay them. He's going to throw a big party. And he's going to follow you and say, I'm going to do it. He says, I'm going to get a double portion of your spirit. You see, Elijah, if you stay in the cave, Elisha, don't get a double portion. If you stay where you are, your children, they don't even know what God used to do in your life. They don't even know what is there represented. You've got to get out of the cave so they can know what God can do in your life. There are still miracles. After that, Elijah still called fire down from heaven after he got out of the cave. After that, he still parted the waters of Jordan and it separated. He walked through on dry ground after he got out of the cave. I'm here to tell somebody today that God brought you here today and there are things that you are hiding from and as long as you are hiding from them you will never see the power of God fulfilled in your life but today you can take a step to the mouth of that cave and say I'm getting out of this place I'm tired of hiding I'm tired of living in fear I'm tired of letting all the life's pressures push me down in the name of Jesus No one moving around, every head bowed right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, your word is so powerful. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you right now to touch every heart. God, there are people under the sound of my voice that are dealing with so many things. God, they're not in the cave because they're not good people. They're not there because they they don't have great things in store for them. But just life, it's like that. But God, you told me to come here today to stir somebody, to say it's time to start something new and fresh, to help somebody get out of where they are, to repent of their sins, 
to be baptized in your name, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to have a life change, to start by simply stepping out. In the name of Jesus, I want us to take just a moment. If you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you feel in your spirit that there's some caves that you've been in because you just don't want to deal with some things and it's just been pressing on you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Will you raise your hand right where you are? You just need to deal with it. All over the place, people. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Go ahead, put your hands down. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to stay there any longer. You don't have to stay in that place. There are so many different needs that are here. There are people that you're dealing with so many different things in your life. Today, you can get peace. Some of you need to repent of your sins. Some of you need to give your heart fully to God. Some of you just have some burdens that you need to bring to the Lord. We're going to take a few moments right now. This does not mean you're joining the church on a friend day. This just means I love my friends. And I'm taking some time to say, let's pray about this together. You need to take a step to the mouth of that cave. And today, that metaphor of a cave, the mouth of that metaphor is this altar right now. So right now, wherever you are, ask the person beside you, would you like to pray? And come, let's fill this place. We're going to go be down the aisle some, so come as close as you can. Ask the person beside you, would you like to pray? In the name of Jesus, we're not going to take real long. We're going to take sufficient time to talk to the Lord together. Ask that person, would you like to pray together? In the name of Jesus, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the pressures that you're feeling, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ, he is not a God that's afar off, but he can be touched with the feelings of your infirmities. Come on, why wait? Why wait for another day? Don't even wait for someone to ask you. Just say, I need you, Jesus. I'm getting out of here. I'm taking a step of faith. This is awesome. God is touching people all over this place. Here I am, Lord. I need you, Jesus. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of being back by myself. I'm tired of it. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. Those that would like to come and pray for some of these that are here, I invite you to come and pray for them. Come and behind them and lay your hands on them and help them pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He other, that's the Holy Ghost, sir. That's it. Talk to the Lord. God's still got a great work for you to do. God's still got a great work for you to do. Come on, the Holy Ghost is here. You're not too far gone. You haven't gone too far today.
Ghost is moving right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, touch me today. Come on, that's it, sir. That's it, lady. That's it, ma'am. The Holy Ghost, everybody engage right now. Everybody tap in right now. If you're by a friend in the seat, why don't you begin to pray for them? Ask God to direct them. Ask God to help them. Come on. You're here. You've come this far. You're not here by accident. Just talk to the Lord. You're fine. He'll begin to shine the light. He'll begin to let the wind blow. He'll begin to show you the way out. Those that are praying right now, just keep praying. If you have not repented, I invite you to repent of your sins right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, forgive me. Forgive me of the things I've done that displease you. Forgive me of the decisions I made that are not right. Lord Jesus, forgive me, God. I'm sorry, God. I don't want that in my life. I don't want that to rule my life anymore. God, forgive me and give me a fresh start. God, I'm coming out of this cave. I'm coming out of this hiding place. I'm coming out of this prison. Call me forth. Call my name and speak to me in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, let the Holy Ghost begin to flow in this place. In Jesus' name. That's it. Just talk to him. That's it. You're doing it right there. The more you talk to him, the more he talks back. In Jesus' name. Come on, the Holy Ghost is touching some people today. The Holy Ghost is touching you today. God's able, God's able. Hallelujah, Jesus.